I am he. Well, Easter Sunday, or maybe better said, Resurrection Sunday, where we celebrate, as has been said and sung, that Jesus, he rose from the grave to new life. Uh, but I think when it comes to the Jesus story, sometimes Easter kind of feels like the end of the story. We obviously read it at the back of the Gospels. You know, Jesus, he's come at Christmas, he's lived, he's died, and he rises. So it feels kind of like the end. But it's important that we recognize in this space that it's actually the beginning, that as Jesus has risen to new life, like that is the exclamation mark that opens the door that we have the gift of a new life in him, both in this life and for all of eternity. And so we are excited here today. We are actually starting a brand new series, a preaching series over the next several weeks that is gonna look through the eyes of those who originally first met Jesus in person nearly 2,000 years ago. That as we look through their eyes and we meet them, that we might experience through our own eyes who this Jesus is. Uh, and we're gonna look at this as uniquely expressed through uh, the TV miniseries uh, called The Chosen. And so today, if Easter, it's like your first time with us, or maybe it's like your first time with church, your first time with church in a long time, uh, I'm Brian and look forward to looking at this with you. But I gotta say, you picked the perfect weekend for it to be your first weekend because I don't think you're gonna to wanna to miss week two, three, four, five, and six in this six-week series because each week what we're gonna do is we're gonna meet Jesus but through the eyes who first met him so that we can, again, maybe meet him in a new and fresh way in our lives uh, as we continue to move forward in this life that he has given us. So um, to kind of get our conversation started around the person we're gonna look at who met Jesus initially. Uh, kiddos, I know you have already a bingo card, and so there's already fun and games, but I'm gonna have one more game or puzzle for you that I'm gonna ask for some crowd participation from the kids. So I've got here a balloon, which you knew that, you didn't need me to tell you that, but I'm saying it anyway, and a box. And here's the question, kids. Just shout it out with a yes or no. Is it possible, yes or no, to get this balloon inside of this box? No, yes. Conflicting opinions. Shocking. It's like, hey kids, we wanna go out to eat. All different answers. Okay, so those of you who said yes, how might we get the balloon in the box then? It deflate it? Okay, I heard, I heard deflate it. Someone's raising their hand. Someone listens in class while well. I'm ready to go, kiddo. So you can just shout it out in this case. But yeah, you could, that's right, very smart. You guys are clever here early in the morning here. So yeah, you could deflate it and get it small enough to get it inside the box. Or you could just ruin everybody's birthday and just pop the thing, right? Someone said that as well. Yes, those are two ways, good thinking, that we could get this balloon actually inside the box by deflating it or popping it. But I will say there's actually one more way uh, to do that, but I'll share that here in just a little bit. 
But before we do that, I want to like explain like what this is even all about. And that as we look at our first character uh, that meets Jesus nearly 2,000 years ago, it was a guy by the name of Peter, or Simon Peter was sometimes what he went by. And so we're going to say that this balloon represents Jesus, and this box represents Peter, or more specifically, Peter's life, his mind, his heart. And so as Peter meets Jesus, he's trying to figure out who he is and how he fits Jesus into his box, into his life. And then with that, the point for us today is how do we fit Jesus into our life, into our heart, and into our box Okay, And so, as we start this series, Meet Jesus, when it comes to, you could say, the people who first met him 2,000 years ago, we are starting with arguably the most well-known personality of all time in those who first met Jesus, in Peter, who, relative to our conversation today, he was actually there on that very first Easter Sunday. Like, Peter was there on Resurrection Sunday when it all went down, the very first Easter. Here's how the scriptures talk about it uh, in Luke chapter 24 says that on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And so Jesus dies on a Friday, and then on Sunday, they go to the tomb, and they go there, and they find, it says, where Jesus should be laying dead, that the stone was rolled away from the tomb, and when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And so confused from there, these these two angels show up on the scene and they declare to the women there, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And it says from there that the angels, they go on to remind the ladies what it is that Jesus said when he was with them. uh, With the words that the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and then on the third day be raised Again, and they said, ah, and it's then that they remembered Jesus' words. And so the women, in all their excitement, they, they rush back to tell the disciples what they had discovered. But in all like the hoopla and the hysteria, they are trying to describe what happens. And, and no one's believing them, it says, because verse 11, that, that their words seem like nonsense, like they couldn't get their head around what it is that they were trying to say. And so Peter Okay, our main character for the day. Uh, Actually, second, Jesus is the main character, so Peter that we're gonna look at. He, he, you could say, takes matters into his own hands, uh, which is Peter, he's kind of known for doing that. And so he just, Peter, it says, however, he just got up. He just left, and he just ran to the tomb on his own. And bending over, it says he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, it says, wondering to himself, what? had happened. What has happened? And so we jump into this part of the story with Peter and Jesus, but Jesus isn't there. And for me, I'm kind of looking for like the backstory. Like, how did we even get here? Again, we're kind of at the end of the book of Luke, kind of the end of that story between Jesus and Peter. And so it kind of feels like we just got dropped into the last pages of a book. And uh, there's some gaps, I think, that it would be helpful for us to fill in when it comes to Peter and this scene on Easter Sunday with no Jesus being there. And so here's a little bit about Peter. Peter, again, who also went by Simon Peter, and again, arguably the disciple that we know more about than any other, uh, was not because Peter was so awesome that they recorded all his awesomeness in the Bible. Actually, the reason we know so much about Peter is because his mistakes, 
his mishaps. Uh, in fact, we actually witness these kind of mishaps dramatized in some uh, unique ways uh, in the series, this TV series called The Chosen. And, and what they do with the series is they add, you could say, backstories to the biblical narrative. But as they do that, they do that with the aim of being biblically accurate and supporting the historical context. And so as they do that, um, it kind of brings us again to our, our first meeting between Peter and Jesus. True to our series, we're going to see how Peter first meets Jesus. And the backstory that's provided by the writers of The Chosen is they portray Peter quite accurately, again, as this kind of punchy, impulsive personality, uh, where Peter, he has put himself, his livelihood, his family, even his very life in, a, in jeopardy, in like a seemingly unescapable bind. Uh, because Peter, uh, who was a fisherman by trade, as portrayed, uh, kind of goes on to portray in the, by the writers of The Chosen, they, they show him as kind of struggling personally, professionally, uh, and professionally, he's actually struggling to catch fish to do what he does for a living. He's not paying his bills. He's unable to support his family. And we get to this point where Peter is like in an incredible amount of debt. He's behind on taxes with the Roman government, and he's making some shady deals with uh, some Roman officials to try to deliver on those debts. And so on the night before, he has to like pay up. Like he has to give an account for the debts and the deals he's made. Peter, in his own words, he needs to catch a miraculous amount of fish. He needs a miracle for him to even have a chance. He has to catch so many fish to just have a chance at getting himself out of the mess that he has made for himself. And so we pick up the biblical account of that story here in Luke chapter five. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So Jesus is teaching the crowds. When he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And so Jesus, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And then from there, let's experience what happens next as Simon Peter meets Jesus for the very first time in this scene from The Chosen. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing.
brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. as well. Yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish to the market and settle up Simon's death. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go, now. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, picking up in verse 4, as we just witnessed. It says, when he, Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but at your word, because you say so, I will let down the nets. 
And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled for their partners on the other boat to come over and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then, what happens next, if we were to continue to watch on, but as we read on, it says that then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore, and they left everything and followed Maybe for you, you had a moment like that once. A time where you encountered Jesus for the first time and you recognized, I'm a sinful man, I'm a sinful woman. And like Peter, realized, you know, I'm not awesome, but thanks be to God, Jesus is. And that you believed and you placed your faith in the reality that God sent his one and only son at Christmas to live a perfect life, to then die 33 years later on a Friday, only to three days later as we celebrate this day, rise to new life so that we could be given the gift of a new life in him. And so maybe you've had that moment, just like Peter, and I hope you have. And if you haven't, I pray that you will, as we see Peter certainly had this moment. But it's important to recognize that, you know, after this scene, it's not like um, it's all happily ever after for Peter and his walk with Jesus. You know, it's not for Peter, as they say, all up and to the right. Because, again, the reason we know so much about Peter uh, in the gospel story is because, again, not his awesomeness, but his mistakes, his mishaps, those moments that we know most about Peter. And so Peter, he experienced his share of ups and downs where he was trying to figure out, how do I get Jesus into my heart, into my life, into my mind? Like, how do I get these? How does it all fit together? And so Peter, with plenty of ups and downs, you know, some of the high points for Peter uh, was in Matthew chapter 16. It shows that he is the first one to declare out loud, Jesus, you are the Christ, you are the Lord, the Messiah. And then the downs, you could say, uh, well, relative to this weekend, on the Thursday going into the Friday that Jesus would, would be crucified, that on that night that he was betrayed, Peter, he was supposed to be keeping watch for Jesus, and he falls asleep. And then from there, when he wakes up to what happens is Jesus is being arrested. It's like, this was not my idea of kind of a kingdom. And so Jesus is arrested, and, and Peter, he's confused. And you could say that his balloon, uh, kids, as you said, it starts to deflate a little bit. And he's confused, and him and the other disciples, they actually, they run. They abandon Jesus, they scatter, and from there, they really uh, just kind of move on from there and get into the spot where Peter's being asked, like, do you even know this man? Don't you, you were with him. And Peter, he actually, when confronted, he denies ever even knowing Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. And then, if that wasn't enough, as if his image of Jesus wasn't completely deflating in everything that he had, on that particular Friday, if, as if his image of who Jesus was hadn't deflated enough, you could say on that Friday, for Peter and the disciples, their image of Jesus, it completely completely popped. 
It says in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, that Jesus breathed his last. That Jesus, God in the flesh, he came, but then he went. He actually took his last breath of human air. That any air left, you could say, in the illustrative balloon for any follower of Jesus was completely gone because Jesus died. Like, God in the flesh died. Like, that wasn't supposed to happen. And so along with their hopes and dreams being popped, so was every other understanding of what they even had. In fact, the box, they don't even know what to do with their lives and their hearts and their minds given everything that has just happened. And I think about, man, if that was true for those who are right there with Jesus, who experienced what they experienced, kind of seeing their world come crumbling down and their image of who Jesus was just completely pop and fall apart, I wonder how much more sometimes for us we experience these kinds of things. And maybe we had, again, a moment like Peter that we just witnessed in that scene where he met Jesus in a special and powerful way. But just like Peter, the journey has not been for you maybe up and to the right. It hasn't been happily ever after with Jesus and his church. And you maybe say that something changed. Something's different between that first day, and if you're honest, you might be here on Easter, but there's something different between that first day when you first met Jesus and the day that you find yourself in here today. Perhaps for you, it's your own mistakes and mishaps that you have, uh, you have to say I have to own, but has put a distance between me and the things of God. Maybe for you it was a difficulty in reconciling just a terrible circumstance or something just went bad at a church or something where it's just like you just couldn't reconcile you know, the idea of who God was with the reality of what you experienced in that moment, that story, that tragedy. And maybe for you, you'd say it, it was never intentional. Like, you know, you just kind of maybe looked back all of a sudden and realized you've just, you kind of drifted. You didn't, you didn't do it on purpose. You just, almost like a piece of driftwood in the ocean, just little by little, you just find yourself further and further and further away from shore, further and further and further away from the things of God, further from where you started. Maybe on the inverse, though, it's like you are here. Like, like no, I'm, this is, I'm not a Christmas and Easter. Like, I'm here week after week after week. But if I'm honest, it just, it just doesn't seem like it's the same as it was when I first experienced Jesus. Like there's, this, like, there's this malaise, there's this gap between where I am now and where I once was. And then I think for others, it's, it's almost just more cerebral than anything else. Like, there's just like... Almost like this cognitive dissonance between your inability to square the fullness of Jesus with maybe your understanding of science or perhaps uh, the, uh, maybe a world religions class or something you experience or something like that. And for whatever reason, you could say that you find your image of Jesus deflated or potentially completely popped. And that's where Peter and the disciples certainly find themselves on that Friday. But three days later, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, everything starts to change. We see again Peter. He's not sure, but he gets up. He runs to the tomb and he bends over and he sees the strips of linen that once held Jesus' body. And he says that he went away and he wondered to himself. He wondered what had happened. 
And then from there, for Peter, as we recall the very first experience that Jesus uh, had with him on that shore, who stepped right into the middle of his mess, right into his livelihood as a fisherman, where all the fullness of Jesus showed up in a powerful way, that we see that that first miraculous catch, it would not be the last between Jesus and Peter. And so check out the rest of the story here in John chapter 21, that after that first Easter Sunday, after Jesus rose from the dead, this is how it went down for Peter. Still unsure what's going on. It says it this way in chapter 21, verse one of John, that afterward, Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples, they were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. I'm going back to do what I know I can do. And they said, we'll go with you. And so they went out and they got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing, a familiar scene. But early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples, they did not realize that it was Jesus. And so Jesus, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And then he said, and you gotta, I mean, Jesus is hilarious. Like, you gotta appreciate this. Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and then you will find some. Sure enough, when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of such a large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for I guess he'd taken it off, and he jumps into the water. And the other disciples, they followed in by the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. And so Simon Peter, he climbed back into the boat and he dragged the net ashore and it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Come, let's eat and be together again. I gotta tell you, I cannot wait to see how The Chosen uh, depicts this scene in future seasons as they continue to release more of the story. But more so than that, I say, like, the reason we do all of this, like, as church and do the whole thing that we're doing here is because we can't wait to see this scene play out in your life to encounter Jesus, maybe for the first time, maybe to re-encounter him after a long time in a new and fresh way, to experience what is the fullness of God in Jesus and in your life. That this is the gospel, this whole weekend. You know, it's what it says uh, in these letters to the church that make up the end part of the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says, as we read earlier in the service, let me remind you of the gospel. Like, you guys know the Easter story. This is not new news, but we need to be reminded of its power. It says, I remind you of the gospel that Christ Jesus, he died for our sins. And this is according to the scriptures. It's been leading up to from cover to cover, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. For you, for me, for us. 
You see, like Peter, it's realizing that the balloon that is Jesus, uh, while it may have appeared to lose air or even pop on that Friday, actually is and always was filled with the fullness of God. As it says in Colossians 1.19, that God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. You see, the balloon that God made known in Jesus Christ, that's not actually the puzzle. It's not actually the challenge. The challenge for Peter, for me, for you, for us, is that so often the box that we try to put Jesus in is frankly just too small. You see, there's another way to get the balloon inside of the box. And the problem is not the balloon. The hurdle, the challenge so often is the box that we put Jesus in is too small. You see, it's in the resurrection, in Easter Sunday, the single most important and powerful event in all of human history that we recognize that Jesus didn't just die for our sins, but what makes it all come to life is the reality that he came to life. That as it says in arguably the most well-known verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16, that God so loved us that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but be given the gift of a new life, an eternal life. The reality, see, it starts with the fullness of who Jesus is, God in the flesh, but it finds its home in our hearts. He finds his home in our lives, that we need to open the box to make room for him and the fullness of what he has for you and for me and for us. You see, that's what the next several weeks is all about. It's all about experiencing Jesus, yes, through the eyes who first met Jesus, people like Peter, uh, Mary Magdalene, Nicodemus, Matthew, and, and others that we'll look at here. But it's where Jesus and we see his fullness in these encounters over and over and over again. Just con- you're gonna see this continues to blow out the box of the preconceived notions, the perceptions, the smallness that the people tried to put And so we're excited, yes, to experience Jesus through their eyes, but more so that we will experience him in our own eyes, in our own minds, in our own hearts, and in our own lives. In fact, next week as we pick it up, uh, we're excited the character that we're gonna see who meets Jesus is gonna show us what this idea of like baptism, like what baptism is all about. And if you're familiar with baptism, I tell you, I came to church and I wasn't super familiar with it. The first time I saw a baptism take place, I was super confused because I didn't understand what having someone do to you what candidly I'd spent all my summers growing up avoiding having done to me by the hand of another, namely being dunked underwater, right? Uh, What that had to do with following Jesus. And so we're gonna look at that next week in our next uh, uh, part of this series. Uh, and Because I, I don't know about you, but I had questions about baptism. Maybe for you, you might be asking the question like baptism, like is that something that like, like I have to do like in order to go to heaven? Or, or maybe your story, you would say like, you know, I was, I was sprinkled, I was baptized as an infant, like do I need to be re-baptized? And so we'll look at those kinds of questions and things like that here in the weeks ahead. But just kind of a, I guess a spoiler alert for what baptism is all about. It's actually all about this weekend. 
as it says in Romans 6, 4, it says that our baptism, that just as Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose to new life, that we, through our baptism, we participate in the Easter story, that we participate in Jesus' death and burial, saying we're dying to our sin, we're burying that, uh, we are dying to us being in charge of our life, and we're raising up to a whole new life where he's in charge, where he is the leader of this life, both in this life and for all of eternity. And so as we wrap up our time here together, I was looking to see if I had anything more to say. I have nothing more to say. But that's intentional. That's on purpose because what we want to do, rather than me kind of wrap up what it is that Easter is all about, uh, I'm gonna kind of, you could say, turn the mic over to you. As we stand together here at the West Auditorium, I invite you to stand with me in the East Auditorium as well. And then if you're worshiping online, whatever posture makes sense for you to participate in using your voice, your words to declare in song and praise, like this is our prayer, like, okay, we wanna give, I know we're gonna eat good here later and all that good stuff, we're all dressed up, we're gonna take the pictures and the whole nine yards, but in these moments, as we are reminded of the gospel, let me remind you of the Easter story that we would take these moments to lift back up to God in our own voices the words of the Easter story, what he did for us on a Friday 2,000 years ago, and then with that, conquering death and the grave three days later, not just for him, but for us. And so with that, Let's pray, giving thanks, and sing our praises. Lord Jesus, uh, yes, we saw a lot of miracles that you did, but this is more than a miracle. This isn't about just rescuing something from, or someone from a physical reality, but an eternal reality of new life in you. And so we're thankful, God, that you have chosen to have the fullness of who you are dwell in Jesus. And now, God, we pray that our lives, that our boxes, would be blown up, would be opened up um, beyond just a holiday once a year, but all the days of our life as we follow you and you lead us, we pray in the name of Jesus. And so Lord, as we sing, we ask that you would hear our prayers. Lord, hear our praise and give thanks to you together.